I've had things happen to me both of these ways, where it's a cumulative effect of various things that go on in my life. And it's just like, have you ever said it, man, it just seems like everything's coming in at once. Things are just all hitting me at once. It feels like there's a cumulative effect, sort of the weight of that that can really produce discouragement. Sometimes it's suddenly. Sometimes it's suddenly. Sometimes it could be a word that somebody speaks to you. It can work the opposite way, too, but it can be a word or an action. Somebody might just have said something to you that you didn't like. It just, it struck you the wrong way. It struck a chord in you, and it just, it, it, it sent you into either a discouraged state or another state, whatever it might be. Sometimes it could be an action. Maybe somebody didn't invite you to something that you thought you should have been included in. Maybe you just felt, uh, you know, shunned or, or slighted in some way. It can be an action. And remember, again, what, what David is saying that, he, that I just read, are, are, it's spoken by David, soon to be King David, the David we all know, the King David. But again, remember, this is David, a man that encountered a lion and killed him with his hands. He didn't have a weapon. He encountered a bear and he killed him. He encountered at the time what was of the day and time the greatest warrior on the face of the earth, a giant, a huge, bigger-than-everybody-else guy that nobody wanted to mess with. David killed him. Now, this is David, and he's saying, well, let me just add this too. He's also at this point in the Scripture, he is the man that has been anointed to be the king of Israel. I killed a bear. I killed a lion. I killed this guy. And I've been anointed to be king. But yet, he's in discouragement and fear. This is what he said. He said, I'm going to die one day. So now, if it can grab David, that discouragement, that, that feeling that he's experiencing, if it can grab him after all of that I just said, you know that we can face those same things too. It happened to us too. And so we must know how to fight it. So we can collapse under that weight of, of circumstance, discouragement, fear, whatever it might be. We can collapse under that or we can break through. We can collapse or we can break through. It's up to you. I'm going to say that again because it rhymed. We can collapse or we can break through. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to you. I want you to know that. It's up to you. David said, now I will die one day by the hand of Saul. That, at that point, for David, is a collapse. That's a breakdown, not a breakthrough. David's breaking down under the pressure. Now, here's another example. Apostle Paul, let's look at him. Here he is in prison, writing a letter to the church at Philippi. And he is in a place where he's talking about this particular part of what he's writing. He's talking about people, preachers, let's say, that are out there preaching for selfish ambition, for other motives, for the wrong reasons. Does that sound like anything? There's preachers out there like that today. I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but there are. There are. For all the wrong reasons. Then he also says, well, there, but, there's, but there are preachers that are out there doing it for the right reasons and doing it for all the good things. And through that, Paul says, it doesn't matter, though, because if Jesus Christ is being preached, his message will prevail. Now, Paul looked at it that way, sitting in this prison cell, Philippians 1, 19 and 20. For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. 
want you to circle that word in your mind. Expect. For I fully expect and hope. I want you to circle that word in your mind. Hope. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Now, in the circumstances that Paul was in, in prison, with all this stuff going on all around, he's trying to give direction to these people and encourage them, knowing that all of this stuff is going on there. He could have been discouraged. He could have been, have a breakdown or a, or a gridlock of his faith. But that's not what Paul's writing in those two verses. Instead, Paul broke through. Paul had a breakthrough. And what he was saying is simply that, through your prayer and through what's going on, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going to live boldly and I'm going to trust that God's going to bring me through. That's what he's saying. So he didn't have the breakdown. He had the breakthrough. Look at Elijah. You want to look at the story, I mean, Elijah in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. You can read this whole thing. I'm not going to go into it. But basically, he took off into the wilderness running, fearful, worried, discouraged, anxious, whatever all it is. And he gets out there, and he he, uh, he sits under a tree. And, and, and again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just summarizing it here. But basically, he said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm up here with this. I've had it. Take my life. I'm done. Take me now. Kill me. That's with Elijah. Now, this is Elijah, the great prophet Elijah. And here he is. Man, he's, he's having... Anybody was ever having one. In my view, he was unquestionably having a breakdown. Sitting out there under that tree. How about Caleb? Almost named my son's middle name almost was Caleb. His first name's Joshua. You know the two. They despise me. Caleb. Now he looked at things a little bit differently. At this point, he's 85 years old and he said this, and this is in uh, uh, in Joshua chapter 14, if you want to look at that later. He said, I've waited for 45 years. He had a promise that was made to him, that he was going to get this, this land on the hills. And he had this promise that was made to him. He says, I've waited 45 years. Give me that mountain. And then Caleb said this. I think it was in verse 12 of chapter 14. But if the Lord is with me, yeah, there it is. If the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. See, Caleb wasn't going to break down there. He could have. Well, I was promised this. I haven't gotten it. He could go into all different kinds of little avenues. Instead, he decided that it wasn't time for a breakdown. It was time for a breakthrough. That's what he did. He stood, Caleb stood on the promise of God. A promise that was made to him, he stood on it. That's breakthrough. So now, and I'm sort of giving you just some of these little summaries of, of some of these uh, Characters, if you will, and people in the scripture. But you should see that this, and let me just see if I can say this exactly the way I want to without getting anybody upset. <laughs> um, you know, you, you can, as a, as a person following God, you can collapse in your discouragement. And if you do that, if you collapse, if you decide that you're going to collapse in your discouragement, that's going to stop your breakthrough. You're seeking a breakthrough in this place today? You can't let discouragement take over because that's going to stop the breakthrough. 
But where did discouragement lead David? Look back at Samuel, you know, 27.1. He goes and lives with the Philistines. I think, I think this is it's going back to when he moved in with the enemy. The people who he had, uh, I, I mean, he, he had defeated them in many cases. So but, but here's the thing. I'm going to just apply it to today. There are so many people, I believe, in churches many times that become discouraged. Not just, I'm not saying this church, it's the church as a whole. Churches. They become discouraged. They've been hurt. They've been slighted. They've been, and we've said it a lot, they've been offended. How many people have been offended in here? And I'll be honest. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 I had no plan to say this. Um, there's somebody in here now today. And, and maybe this is like you could say, well, that's all the time. I don't know. I, I really feel this right now. There is somebody in here carrying an offense. I don't know what it was. Maybe sometimes an offense is something that you've experienced, and it is justified. You, you were offended. Somebody did do something wrong. I think pastors said before, if you're going to love the way 1 Corinthians tells us to love, if you're going to love the way Jesus did, if we want to be like Jesus and not be like the world, we give up the right to be right. We give up the right to be right. It doesn't matter if we're right. We're to forgive. And then what happens is a lot of times, we talked about this in prayer, or you did, Miss Patsy. Instead of pressing in and running to God and seeking Him, pursuing Him, we run back to the world. We get offended, we got problems, we have all this stuff happen. We run back to the world, not back to the source of the answer. We run to the source of the problem. Happens all the time, and particularly in churches, I'd say. But it happens all the time with people everywhere. Let me just say this to you. Always remember this. This is a fact, in my opinion. Let me just say, I don't know if I say proven fact. In my strong opinion, God is not the source of our problems. Ever. He is not. There is never a problem that we have ever faced that He is the source or the cause of. And you will not escape your problems, issues, circumstances, difficulties that you're dealing with by running to the wrong kingdom. There's a kingdom to run to, and that's the kingdom of God. There's another kingdom, and by the way, the devil has a kingdom. And it's not a good one. It's a kingdom for evil and for all the things that are wrong. Don't run to that. Run to the kingdom of God. David, so he flees. He's running. The Achish. He goes in and tells him, look, after all my men have killed all your best warriors and did everything else, uh, this is me just saying, he, but, but he's, he's, this is David and this guy, he could have just said, man, I'm not going to help you. He welcomed him in. The king welcomed him in. So let me just say this. Here's, the, here's what the, the, the moral of that story is. Let me tell you something. If you ever get discouraged and decide you're going to run the wrong way instead of the other way, the world will welcome you back with open arms. The enemy will welcome you back. Come on. Come on in. The water's fine. Oh, yeah. Come on back. Oh, yeah. They offended you. They hurt you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're hypocrites. Oh, yeah. It's all about money. It's whatever the lies are. And he's standing there saying, come on in. Come on. I'll welcome you back. That's how the enemy is. And that's David. He's moving back in. Now, so 
If you're wondering that, that's what's going to happen. But the reason it's happening, believe, be very careful in those circumstances because the devil's lying to you. He's lying to you. And the world won't tell you. Now, listen to it this way. The world will tell you. The world will tell you that your church doesn't love you. I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about any church, any fellowship, any gathering of the people of God. He will, the world's going to say, they don't love you. And let me just say this, and this is a fact. This is a declared fact I'm stating right now. If anyone, I don't care who it is, if they're inside this church, if they're outside this church, wherever it is, if any person ever says to you that this church, now I'm speaking of this one, and I'm sure there are many, many others, and I can only speak for this one because I know this one. Anybody ever says to you that, well, that church doesn't care about you. They don't love you. You don't matter to them. Oh, yeah, somebody offended you. Oh, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Any, or anything, any even variation of that. That is a lie. Don't believe it for a minute. Now, I'm not saying anything about the person that said it. I'm not trying to be pejorative towards them as a person. But I'm telling you, if anybody ever speaks the words that this church doesn't love each and every one of you, that statement is a lie. Because they do. Because I know. I know the hearts. I know the people. And I'm not just talking about pastor or myself or my family. I'm talking about many, many people in here. I know. I've been around. I've seen it when it's tough. Don't ever believe that if anybody ever says that to you. That's just something else I added in there. All right, so verse 12. If you go down to verse 12 in the first thing of chapter 27, it's going to say this. I don't have a slide for this or anything. It's just that you will see what, what, that, what Achish really had in mind for David. It says this. He said, he shall always be my servant. See, he was welcoming David back in because he had plans. He had plans to make him his servant forever, always, it says. Let me tell you, when the devil's tempting you to return to the world, Christians, listen to me now. Telling you that, oh, they don't understand you, or, or, or they don't love you, or it doesn't matter. Remember Samson. Just remember Samson for a minute. He just fell asleep for a little bit. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to just lull you into sleep just for a minute. And then he's got chains that he's going to try to bind you with. He's going to try to bind you with things that are negative, that are, that are, that are not favorable to the things of God. He's going to try to drag you back into a lifestyle that you don't want to be in. Don't go to sleep. So how do we fight this discouragement, these things that I'm talking about today? How do we get that breakthrough? There are spiritual weapons. We know about the armor of God. Last week we talked about fasting. We're going to talk about two quick things that are very important. One is this verse I'll just read first. Psalm 43, 5. Why am I discouraged, the psalmist writes? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my, I will put my, and I will praise him again. Hope and praise, we're going to talk about my Savior and my God. You see, you cannot find hope. I mean, you, you can't find discouragement. You can't find discouragement unless, in your life, this is true now, think about it. You can't find discouragement. You can't find that place of really being discouraged and just under all this weight and everything if you haven't misplaced hope somewhere along the way. Do you know the difference between misplacing something 
and losing something. I'm not talking about losing hope. I'm talking about, about misplacing it. How many people ever misplaced their keys? Anybody? All right. I had to get this thing. I'm just going to tell you, I misplaced my keys. Like, where are my keys? Where are my keys? How many times I do that? I mean, where are my keys? Where are my keys? So I got this little thing. You know something? It's a cool little deal. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, I have never lost my keys that I can recall. Maybe I did, but I don't ever think I've ever lost my keys. But I have misplaced my keys hundreds of times. <laughs> That's why I bought that thing. But I always find them. See, hope is never lost. Hope is never lost. But sometimes it could be misplaced. And when it's misplaced, you need to find it again. Because hope is what you need to battle discouragement. Misplaced hope means that you've placed your hope in something other than God. That might be something like um, a family member or a good close friend or advisor. It could be a doctor. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything wrong with any of these things I'm naming. Might be if you're encountering some kind of a difficulty, you've had to go to a lawyer to put your hope in them. Maybe it's a 401k or a, or a retirement plan. Again, nothing wrong with that. Encourage that. I think it's great. Have retirement planning and all that. But that's not where, as Christ followers, that's not where our hope should be. Our hope is not in those things and in those people. See, we need to make sure we understand hope as believers as a expectant hope, not a wish-based hope. And I hope someday I get to go to Africa. I'll say that. That's a wish-based hope. But then there's a hope of expectant. That's what Paul was talking about earlier. He said it in Philippians 1.20. We read it just a moment ago. For I fully expect and hope. He fully expected that God was going to bring him through. Scriptural hope, hope based on what the scripture says, is a spiritual thing that, that connects the faith to your faith like a thermostat connects to an HVAC system. Like if that, if that AC system is, is faith and you've got the thermostat of hope, you can drive that hope cold or you can drive that hope warm. You can control that in your life. You can make those decisions. Of Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. We all know this, or most of us do. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. I think we have that. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. In the Amplified Version, which I don't think is up here. Do we have that? Hebrews 11.1. 1. The Amplified Version says the assurance of things hoped for is a divine guarantee. Now think about that. Think about what Paul said, what we just talked about. It is a divine guarantee. That's what that's saying. So if you want a divine guarantee, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the things of God. Put your hope in things eternal, not things on earth that are temporal. Put your hope and let your, let your hope be with your eyes on him and on eternity and not on what's happening in your circumstances today. And the scripture in another place in 1 Corinthians that places it right between faith and love. You know the verse I'm talking about? Faith, hope, 
love, greatest of these is love. Hope's right in the middle of that. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever thought about that just for a second? Faith, hope, and love. That's pretty powerful company. Faith and, and love. Hope is right in there. So how do we find that? Romans 15, 4 says this. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Overflow with confidence. When God makes you a promise, there are times that you need to be confident that that promise is true. And you should, a lot of people would say, well, I, you know, I just believe that by faith. Yeah, don't, yeah, come on. There's times when you question it. There's times when you're, when you're struggling with it. But here's the thing. If you look at it, whatever was written, written for us, that through the endurance and the encouragement that we find in the Word of God, that we might have hope and overflow of confidence. Overflow of confidence. Like, we're totally confident that God's promises are true. Remember the promises of God. Don't ever let go of the promises of God. Hold on to the promises of God. Because they're true. And if he's made you a promise, and he's made some of all of us a promise, but individually there are many people in here that God has spoken to you, and he's promised you something. Hold on to that because he needs it. Remember the promises of God. So, Rob, if you come, I could go on about hope. Man, the hope, hope, hope. I, just, I love the idea of hope. But there's another word that we read in Psalms 43, 5. Praise! Say that. Praise! Praise! Psalm 71, 14 says this. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. This is something I want you to really remember. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Praise will bring, and there's a, there's a slide for this, praise will bring a manifestation in your life of God's presence. How many want to experience the presence of God? How many experience the presence of God today? You can feel it, you know it, it's here, it's real. I saw you, some of you down here today. I'm watching. You experience the presence of God. Let me tell you something, in the worst circumstance, in the most difficult times, in the biggest challenge, praise brings a manifestation of God's presence right on the scene. That's the truth. That's not me saying that. That's just all through the word. <laughs> Let me tell you, Paul and Silas praised their way out of prison. They didn't sit around. Now, prisons back then, let me tell you, you think of the worst prison on earth today. Back then, they didn't have human rights councils that looked after everything. They didn't have uh, running water or sewer. It was unsanitary. It, it was smelled nasty. It, they didn't have people supervising them, so they didn't go in there and beat them. Who even knows? And I hate to say that. I don't mean to sound indelicate. But there was probably sexual assaults on people. There's no telling what went on in those prisons. Those prisons make these prisons look like country clubs. And here's Paul and Silas. What do they do? Well, let's figure out a plan. we got to get out of here. How can we tumble out of this? Or how can we wait when the guard comes in and we'll jump in and we'll move? That's what our plan is. Nope. You know how Paul and Silas got out of prison? They praise their way out. They praise their way out, and so can you. See, David didn't stay discouraged. Elijah didn't either. And you don't need to either. 
today. Today. Not tomorrow, not sometime in the future. He can do it. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him for who He is, for what He's done, for what He will do. Praise you today. I'm going to praise my way out of these circumstances because I have expected hope that everything that I'm facing, no matter what the challenge, what the difficulty, that my breakthrough is found in the hope I have in the promises of God. Hallelujah. That's good, not because I'm saying it. That's good because God is doing it. He's doing it right now. He already has done it. As Pastor said earlier, there's testimony and testimony. Get out of a breakdown, and you want to get to a breakthrough. It's up to you. Not up to me. God's not the source of our problems. You want a breakthrough? It's up to you. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to do? How serious are you going to take this walk? And you say, I don't. I, I'm not saying anything against anyone else, but I tell you, sometimes I hear things on on all kinds of places. I listen to podcasts and radio things and TV, and I just think sometimes that sometimes the message that's being preached, and again, not to be critical at all, I didn't have anybody in mind. I've just heard things, and I think sometimes we try to paint a picture that everything's just going to be fine, and it doesn't require us to do anything. And I'm sorry, folks, that's not the but much of anything, nothing comes without putting something in there. You heard the phrase, you're going to get what you put into it. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. Same thing. You want that breakthrough? God can do it for you. God, would you stand with me, please? We're going to sing. We're going to end the service. And I just want to just ask anybody who's here today. There are people who have already been at the altar, so I'm not going to hold up our service without that. But I do want to know, is there anybody else here that needs prayer? Let me ask you this, too. I don't know everyone in here. I know most of you. But I don't know all of you. 